Which draft classes in the 2023 draft are our favorites? That's the focus of today's TDN Daily. And welcome into a special edition of TDN Daily, a weekend edition here of the show, the seventh round, day three, wrapping up, and I figured it would be a great opportunity to give you guys some weekend content here uh, from the from everybody here over at the Draft Network with a little bit of a class breakdown. So our initial thoughts about some of these classes, and I've brought in a special guest. I am not doing this alone, Jack McKessie of the Draft Network here to go through some of these classes that we liked. So we're going to kind of highlight some of what we think are the big winners, the classes that really have stood out to us here. And I will tell everybody, we're kind of doing this kind of raw and natural. Like, the draft is still going on outside of the room that we're recording this in. But enough picks have gone by. We're deep into the seventh round that we feel that there are enough teams that we can comfortably talk about uh, the big winners. And, and Jack, I, I will kick it off to you by just throwing out a team that you and I both said in the pre-show that we loved. And I will just read some of the picks that they made. And we can get into maybe some of the bigger ones. But the Indianapolis Colts getting Anthony Richardson, Julius Brents, Josh Downs, Tommy Edabore, and Darius Ross is just some of the picks that they were able to make in this draft class this year. I think they are one of the biggest, if not the biggest winners of the 2023 draft. Yeah, absolutely. I just think when you look at what this team needed, they pretty much hit on all of those things in this draft class and not just filled needs, but filled them with really good players. You know, Anthony Richardson obviously has been the the talk of the town since the combine. He's an athletic freak. He's got unbelievable traits. He might not necessarily start this year, but that's not a bad thing. Once you get him going in, in that Indianapolis Shane Steichen system, he's going to be phenomenal. And like you said, Julius Brents, Darius, Darius Rush, two new cornerbacks to a secondary that really needed a lot of help there. And those are, again, two guys that we loved throughout this whole draft process. Josh Downs, again, great receiver help. You know, they got a lot of big, tall, wide receivers there. And, and Josh Downs kind of switches it up as a smaller guy, shiftier, good route runner. A uh, guy you didn't mention, Evan Hall, I really liked, the Northwestern mm-hmm. running back. He was a big standout at the Senior Bowl for me, not just because I'm a Northwestern guy, but just in general, the skill set that he brings kind of can replace that Naheem Hines pass catcher out of the backfield role um, for, for the Colts here. So like you said, I think this is one of the, the best draft classes that we've that we've seen in this in this 2023 draft so far. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll add to it, right? Julius Brents, they were able to get in the second round. You, you talk of the value there. There were talks of him being a potential first-round corner. You get Josh Downs in the third round, a guy that everybody thought could be one of those receivers. It was him or Zay Flowers we were debating. Could, could one of those two guys end up being in the first round? Worst-case scenario, people thought, okay, Josh Downs will be a mid-second-round pick. You get him all the way in the third round. You get the quarterback in Anthony Richardson. You check that box. I don't want to give you a ton of credit for that because you pick at number four. You pick the quarterback. You did good there. To me, mark of a good draft class is where you're able to find value in the later rounds. And Julius Prince, Josh Downs, Tommy Edabore, I think is probably the biggest value there. And like you you mentioned, Darius Rush and Evan Hall, I think those are players that can be contributors. One of the biggest takeaways from this class in particular is Chris Ballard has a very specific archetype that he looks for. All of these guys, Raz scores above nine, or at least most of them. I haven't really been paying attention to after Will Mallory came in. Uh, with a pretty good RAS score as well. So big on the athletic profile. If you have, if you're able to check those kinds of boxes for Chris Ballard in the 2023 draft class, um, you were his guy. I mean, that every single per- person up until Will Mallory kind of checked that box for them. Daniel Scott, the safety at a Cal, is another guy that kind of fit into that mold of having a high RAS score. Um, so the Colts, one of the big winners for me. Um, we're gonna kind of ping pong back and forth and mention some teams. So I'll kick it to you and let you bring up a team here. And while you're doing that, I will figure out what my next team is. And hopefully, you don't take the team that I'm thinking about talking about well 
I'm, I was going to go with the Tennessee Titans here. Okay, that's good, because it was not the team that I was going to talk about, so that's great. Okay, because the Titans were a team that we were wondering what their process was going into this draft, whether they might trade up to the third or even the second overall pick, you know, as, as some of the rumors came out uh, in the days leading up to the draft to, to get a quarterback of the future. Ended up getting him anyway with mm-hmm. Will Levis in the second round. Uh, they took Peter Scaranzi. They were able to stand pat and get a left tackle, maybe kick him into left guard. What do the you think round. they're going to do with him? I think they're going to kick him into left guard. And and the reason I say that, not only because of the Andre Dillard uh, free agency pickup earlier in this offseason, but later in the draft they picked up Jalen Duncan in the mm-hmm. sixth round, which is another just excellent value pick in my opinion. But again, a guy that you, you Jalen Duncan, a guy that's going to play the tackle position, so you think Scaranzi's going get, to get kicked inside. Again, I, I think there's probably value in the idea of allowing him to maybe start a tackle in training camp and then kicking him inside, or maybe they have a preconceived notion of we were drafting him as a guard, right? I think if you were drafting him as a tackle, I think the, your, your backup option is, okay, we'll just kick him inside to guard. But if you went into it saying, it's the 11th overall pick, we're going to take Peter Skaronsky and we only see him as a guard, then yeah, I think you're going to slide him right in there, no problem. Um, um, I mean, you mentioned Jalen Duncan. Tajay Spears is another member of this Tajay class that we Spears should absolutely mention. Yep. Um, you know, this guy was RB3. There were a lot of questions of where would the medicals land for him. Uh, but if you turn on the tape, if you're able to watch any of the highlights from the Senior Bowl, you know this is one of the more explosive runners in this class. And it was going to be fun to see where he lands. This feels like extremely fair value for a guy um, that, again, when he's healthy and he's on the field, is one of the more dynamic backs in this class. So to see him go in the, uh, in the third round, I felt pretty fair value. Yeah, I, I'm kind of wondering um, what their plan is for him as well. You know, these are these are three players in a row: Peter Skaronski, Will Levis, Ty J. Spears. How are they going to address where they play and when they play? You know, this is a, these are three guys that Peter Skaronski, like you said, can kick into left guard. Will Levis is he going to start this year? Mm-hmm. Is he going to kind of take a red shirt and start in twenty twenty four? Have Ryan Fitzpatrick? Uh, sorry, Ryan Tannehill. Please don't disrespect Ryan Fitzpatrick like that. Apologies. Uh, are they going to have Ryan Tannehill start this year and then let Will Levis kind of get some development, get that toe fixed? You know, right. some of the medical concerns and Ty J. Spears. Obviously, the Titans have a, a running back one in, mm-hmm. that, in that room. This is in, Derrick Henry. Henry. I don't know if anyone's heard of him. Yeah, he's and pretty Derek good. Henry. And Ty J. Spears, when you look at his skill set, like you said, super dynamic, mm-hmm. great cuts, like very quick, can catch passes out of the backfield. He has a great skill set to complement Derrick Henry. But, you know, what, what's the future there? Is, is Derrick Henry going to end up being shipped off somewhere? Like there were rumors when we were in Indianapolis at the Combine that maybe they were shopping Derrick Henry. Will he just be a complimentary back, and then step into the running back one role next year? I, I don't know. Yeah, I think the concern there, and again, we, we, we classify them as a winner here, and we think they've done a good job. I think the concern there is Derrick Henry has taken on a lot of workload, right? And the idea is at some point he's probably going to break down. Well, this guy that you take in Tajay Spears – has a history of breaking down with some injuries. So that would be the kind of, if I was being negative about it, that would be the thing that I would approach approach it with. But again, this is a guy that went healthy and on the field um, is a very dynamic player. So I think they did a very nice job. And I think you're going to see this team this year deploy both of those guys. And in the in years past, they've had nice complimentary pieces to Derrick Henry. I don't think they've had a home run hitter as a complimentary piece the way Tajay Spears can be for them. Um, anything else on Tennessee? Because I got another team in that division. And that basically, we're going through that entire division right now to start. And I, I didn't anticipate us doing this. But I want to talk about the Houston Texans. Absolutely. Um, because I think what they have done specifically today on day three when we were recording this is something to behold. Everybody knows they did C.J. Stroud and then they traded back up for Will Anderson. Everybody knows that. And that's great, right? But it's easy to maneuver around when you've got picks and you make a pick of two with the quarterback and then you take Will Anderson. What they've done since is what I want to talk about. Tank Dell in the third round, Henry Toto today in the fifth, Xavier Hutchinson. We had two big playmakers and wide receivers, Tank Dell and Xavier Hutchinson, two very different wide receivers to go with that group. We've got the quarterback. We got the pass rush 
pressure. Um, we got some help on the interior with Juice Scruggs and Jared Patterson. Again, those are two players that I don't know how necessarily they see them and how they're going to fit in. But I look at this from the perspective of Will Anderson, CJ Stroud, great picks. I love the Tank Dell pick. I love picking up Henry Toto, and I love picking up Xavier Hutchinson. Yeah, I'm with you on all that. And uh, you've kind of you kind of swept over the CJ Stroud and Will Anderson picks. They're great picks, mm-hmm. like you said. They're phenomenal picks. You get a offensive cornerstone yep. for the fi- the future of your franchise with a second overall pick, and then you trade back up to get the, the defensive cornerstone of your team for years to come in Will Anderson. I think those are an unbelievable set of back-to-back picks, and to go back up to the third overall pick, Carolina was looking, or uh, sorry, the Cardinals were looking to trade back down. I'm not sure why they passed on Will Anderson, but it's to the Texans' benefit here getting C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson back-to-back. And like you said, Nathaniel Dell, Tank Dell, Xavier Hutchinson, two unbelievable players. We saw them at the Senior Bowl making plays all over the field. Mm-hmm. Tank Dell's unbelievable separator. Xavier Hutchinson's a really good, bigger-bodied guy. That's a team that really needed help in the wide receiver core. And to get both of those guys at such great value, I think, is unbelievable for C.J. Stroud. And when we look at this, right, we want to give C.J. Stroud for the Houston Texans everything available to be able to put him in the position to succeed. Well, guess what? We got him two different types of wide receivers in this draft class. You got a bigger body guy in Xavier Hutchinson that can probably you know be able to be that chain mover and do things like that. Tank Dell is going to be that crosser speed guy gadget you're going to use him in a ton of different ways and those are two different receivers those are two different roles that this team could have and, and could fill so I think that's that's a big winner there in, in Houston okay let's move out of this division I have another team do you have another team ready on hand that you want to talk about I I could talk a little bit about the Giants they're the team okay I will show you my phone they are the team that I have pulled up right <laughs> okay, now that's okay. the team I do want to discuss because they are your team but man I love what they did Deontay Banks John Michael Smith Jalen Hyatt Eric Ray I think those first four picks are just a plus is the grade I would give really truly a plus yeah I think I so I, I'm not sure if I'd go a plus on all four of those picks I think you Deontay are so Banks, you are so anti Jalen Hyatt it's not even funny that is the pick that's bothering you the most Jalen Hyatt by far is the pick that's bothering me the most and it's not because necessarily of the player Jalen Hyatt is I mean I think there are some concerns about is he a one-trick pony in that he's kind of just a speed demon and can and speed down the field that's all well and good I'm, I'm sure that'll be a great tool for him in the NFL but I'm just worried about what the Giants already have there they have those smaller faster guys they have Wandale Robinson yeah, Harris Campbell invoke. they've got Jamison Crowder if he's healthy like those are all small shiftier guys mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that Jalen Hyatt adds to that room in a way that maybe uh, Xavier Hutchinson could have. Like, sure. Uh, uh, Cedric Tillman, who went the very next pick, might have been able to change and get a bigger-bodied guy in the room besides Isaiah Hodgins and besides, in the pass-catching unit, uh, Darren Waller. So I, I was hoping for if the Giants were going to take a receiver after the first couple of rounds, that they'd go for a bigger-bodied guy that can be a contested catch guy or a, a true X receiver for them. You didn't even mention, I don't think, Sterling Shepard in that group as well as another guy yeah. that could be part of that wide receiver group when he comes back from his injury. And, and I and I get it. I, I think the, the way that I would convince you of this pick is they clearly talked to the offensive-minded head coach and said, hey, would you like a guy like Jalen Hyatt on your team? And he probably went, yeah, I can figure out what to do with that guy. And so that would be the thing that gives me the most relief. If I had a defensive-minded head coach and that's the play, and that's the player that we drafted with the way that the room is kind of set up, I'd be like, all right, we've got too many cooks in the kitchen here. we got a lot of guys that do kind of the same thing. I think Brian Dibble's going to know how to use these guys uh, best and, and be able to get the most out of them. And again, you pay Daniel Jones a lot of money. you got to be able to support him in a lot of ways. You st- you, you've got the two linchpins. you got Darren Waller and you got Saquon Barkley. The receiver room is the thing 
you got to work on. A, a full season of a healthy Wandell will help, and I think Jalen Hyatt will also help. And oh, by the way, you got a nasty guy to play center in John Michael Schmitz. That's just going to be a road grader for you each and every Sunday. I can't tell you how thrilled I was about those first two picks, man. Like Deontay Banks, I was very, very excited about. I'm all in on the Giants. You did a cornerback one. I'm surprised he fell there too. That was the other thing. It was very, it, it was a very pleasant surprise because when he got there, the pick just made too much sense for the Giants for that player of that talent. He was probably the top of that next tier of corners after Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon. And so for the Giants to nag him where they did, uh, that would be pretty impressive. Yeah, once I saw that there weren't too many cornerbacks going early, I was like just kind of crossing my fingers and hoping a guy like Deontay Banks might <laughs> slip down. Joey Porter Jr. was another guy that didn't even make it to uh, – wasn't even picked in the first round. But to get Deontay Banks, that number one cornerback in a division that has so many talented wide receivers, is really big for the Giants. And then that John Michael Schmitz pick, absolutely thrilling. Absolutely thrilling. The Giants didn't even have to trade up for him. Uh, You know, they traded up one pick for Deontay Banks. But John Michael Schmitz just fell right in their laps. And you look at a team that, like the Giants, who have... The two anchors on either side of the offensive mm-hmm. line and Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas. They have those guys that in place. That interior. But that interior, all of last year, Daniel Jones was running for his life because pressure was so easily coming up the middle. And now they got a guy who can really pass block. He can play in the run game. John Michael Schmitz is one of the best centers in this class, and I am so, so thrilled that the Giants got him here. This yeah, it's it him and Tittman, right? The two guys that you looked at as the top centers. And I, and I had, a, um, I had a, a bias to John Michael Schmitz. We got a chance to see him down at the Senior Bowl in every single rep of practice. He's in somebody's face. He's pushing. He's shoving. Not in like a starting fights kind of way, but in a, I'm here. I'm competitive. Let's go. We're going to do this right now. We're going to be the best versions of ourselves, and we're going to have it out here at the practice field. And that, to me, was infectious. You could see him fire up his teammates guys that he probably didn't even know, right? He's showing up there to Mobile. He doesn't know the guy to his left, the guy to his right very well. Maybe, maybe he knows some of them, but maybe he doesn't. And he's out there firing everybody up. You don't think that's going to play in a Giants locker room that right now is really galvanized after what happened last year? Yeah, that guy's going to walk into that those offensive line meetings, and that's going to be a really nice group. So of all the picks, and I think there's some good ones, that's one of my favorites, Shawn Michael Smith to the Giants, because I think that is a huge, huge hit. Okay, I've got one more team that I would like to talk about. If you want to get one more team, uh, and then we can maybe wrap this up. The Arizona Cardinals are a team that I want to mention because not only do I love what they did this year, but I love what they did in general. So here's what I'm going to do. And everybody who listens to TD and Daily knows it's kind of adventure when I do this, but I'm going to read the draft class that they have, and then I'm going to filibuster and I'm going to research something in the middle of the show because they need to pull up an Adam Schefter tweet to make my point. So I'm going to read the class. Jack can maybe talk a little bit about the players that he liked, and then I will make the second point of why I think the Arizona Cardinals are a winner. So they take Paris Johnson Jr. Now I will tell you right now, disclaimer, if they play this guy at left guard, and they did all this maneuvering around to just play him at left guard inside, not have him in the tackle spots. I'm changing my grade a little bit. I'm going to be a little bit more upset about this. But I believe in the Paris Johnson Jr. pick because I think he can play tackle. I know they have DJ Humphreys, but I think they have a player here that can be a starting tackle for them for a long, long time. Love the BJ Ojolari pick at number two. Garrett Williams, is he healthy, is a is a clearly a first-round corner, right? That health was the big concern there. So you get a guy like that, that corner room is a mess. So to get a player like that in there is great. Michael Wilson, I thought was a great pick. John Gaines for the interior. Keetrell Clark, another guy to add to that corner room. So those are a couple of the players that I really, really liked for them. And the the other point that I'm going to make is about what the Cardinals did with all of the trading that they did at the top half of the draft. Remember, they were picking three, then they drop all the way down to 12, and then they take the picks that they got in the trade with Houston, 12 and 34, and then they use those to come all the way back up to be able to be picking uh, at number six. And after all the moves that the Cardinals have made over three days, this is what their current 2024 draft picks look like. 
They have two firsts, including the Texans. They have a second. They have three thirds, two fourths, two fifths, and a seventh. Monty Allison Ford out here playing chess, not checkers. He is Sam Prestying this, and this is the example that I keep using, but I'm going to drill into in, into everybody's head because I think it is such a relevant example. He is acquiring draft picks. He's acquiring talent, and next year he's probably going to have two top eight picks. Not his fault. Kyler Murray's going to miss half the season, but he's going to probably have two top eight picks, and he's going to be able to roll out the red carpet for everybody to come get their quarterback. He's going to be able to do exactly what he did this year, move down a couple spots, continue to fill holes, and keep adding more draft picks for the future. For If you are an Arizona Cardinals fan listening to this podcast, you know how much I have given them a hard time, time and time again. This is a great class, and they have set themselves up for great success next year. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, p- picking up all that draft capital, the future is bright in, in Arizona. Not necessarily the near future. This year might be a little bit rougher with Kyler Murray missing probably the whole year, but looking down the road, they're going to have so much draft capital over the next year, maybe two years. To do whatever they want. To do whatever they want. If they want to keep Kyler, great. Build around Kyler. If they want to move Kyler, great. They've got all this draft capital. They are in a position to do whatever they want. And I didn't mean to cut you off, Jack, but it's a point that I make all the time, and I would love to get your thoughts on it. I love when a team puts themselves in a position to be able to they don't make every move, but they have an opportunity to make every move. Every disgruntled player that demands a trade, every free agent that becomes available, every player in the draft that they could potentially get, they are at the forefront of every conversation because they're the team that has the draft capital. They're the team that has the cap space. They're the team that has the maneuverability to be able to make this stuff done. The reason why Tyree kills the Miami Dolphins is because the Miami Dolphins had the draft capital to be able to make it. The reason why the Chicago Bears were able to get the big haul that they got was because they had the number one pick. When you have an asset that's very valuable, you're able to turn it into a lot of things. Well, the Arizona Cardinals have a lot of assets. If this team turns it around really quickly with this draft class and they want to go out and get a number one wide receiver, they've got the draft capital to do it. If they want to go out and get a pass rusher from somewhere because somebody doesn't want to play, Chase Young becomes available. Oh, guess what? We've got the draft capital to go do it. That's what I love to see a GM do is understand the situation that you're in and put yourself in the best position to strike when an opportunity arises. Absolutely. And Obviously, like you mentioned, this is Monty Austin Ford's team now. This is a brand new regime. His vision. Him and Jonathan Gannon, they can build this team however they want together because, like you said, they have so much draft capital now for 2024, potentially even into 2025. Mm -hmm. They've got the cap space. They can do anything they want and build the team in their vision, and that's going to be a huge key for the Cardinals to become a successful contender again in the future. And when it comes to a pick in this draft class that I really liked, that Garrett Williams pick, you brought it up earlier. A clear, clear first-round cornerback talent if he was healthy. He get him, they get him here in the third round, and he's going to be potentially a day-one starter. If he's available, available to play, he's their new CB1. With a defensive-minded head coach who knows a thing or two about good corner play, right? Yep. And so there you go. You're going to be able to untap that potential. So they clearly went into this uh, with, a, with a vision, uh, with an idea, with a philosophy of what they wanted to do, and I think they hit a home run. I think they hit a grand slam uh, with what they were able to do. So, all right, you got one more team you want to talk about here uh, to close this out if, when we talk about some of the big winners, the big-picture things that we loved from the 2023 draft. Yeah, I, I kind of want to touch on the Pittsburgh Steelers here Oh, yeah, quick, it's a good class. You, they haven't actually finished yet. As they got as two the more picks as we're got, recording the show, but I think we're good. I think we're safe to they, say that they did well so more, far. They got two more seventh round picks. But when you look at just especially these first two picks, Broderick Jones and Joey Porter Jr. I mean, come on. The, two of the biggest Steelers needs this offseason were getting an offensive tackle and getting a cornerback. They got one of the best offensive tackles. Some say the on best. The board. Some, Some say, say the, the best, best offensive tackle in this tra- class with Broderick Jones. By trading with the Patriots, mm-hmm. getting getting the guy that they wanted. And now they have more protection for Kenny Pickett. They have more protection for Najee Harris back there. They have a, a mauler up front that can that can move the pile for Najee, that can protect for Kenny. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they get Joey Porter Jr. And this is just a pick that has made so much sense yep. for such a long, long time. Because obviously Joey Porter 
Steelers legend. Pittsburgh Steeler. Yep. Having his son be on the board for a cornerback needy team with the 32nd overall pick. They that could Chase not Claypool, That Chase Claypool trade might go down as one of the best that, that the Steelers have Especially seen. if Joey Porter Jr. turns out to be a stud long-term. Like we expect. For, like we expect for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because yeah. this, is, this is a guy who pretty much everyone had a first-round grade on, Joey mm-hmm. Porter Jr. And he's going to get development from Mike Tomlin, one of the best defensive-minded head coaches in yep. the NFL. And and in, a, in an organization that he's been around his whole life. I have a take. You haven't mentioned what I think is the best pick of this draft class. Is it Darnell Washington? I mean, they get Darnell Washington in the third <laughs> round. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. I know there were maybe some late concerns about an injury, but when we think of Kenny Pickett's limitations, right, we think of a guy that maybe may, not necessarily can throw the ball down the field. Well, guess what? I got Najee Harris in the backfield, and I'm going to run a, a ton of 12 personnel with Pat Fryermuth and Darnell Washington, who can block for me in the run game and can be a great pass catcher. So if he's healthy and those the concerns, clearly they weren't, grave concerns because he got picked in the third round but he fell a little bit wasn't one of the top five tight ends I think ultimately when it was all said and done off the board but I look at this Jack and I think man you want to set up Kenny Pickett for success you've given him two fantastic pass catching options because Fryermuth has developed into a very nice weapon for mm-hmm. them and yet they still go out and add another great pass catcher and a guy that can also block for, for you as well who's going to be able to immediately get on the field because of that so I loved being able to make that pick absolutely yeah those are those are two weapons that Kenny Pickett's going to love to have. And oh, by the way, you got George Pickens and Deontay Johnson on the outsides hmm. too. We've got a pretty good group there developing in Pittsburgh. And so they're a team to, to keep an eye on. Again, there's a big pecking order in the AFC and they're probably towards the bottom. But if they can get some upper, you know, above average quarterback play from Kenny Pickett, they're going to be in the mix, right? And so if he can develop and take a big step in year two, again, they use the first round pick on him. So they believe in that first round talent. Um, then they will, they, they will be in the mix. They will give the Ravens a hard time twice a year. They're going to give the Bengals a hard time twice a year. Uh, they're going to give the Browns a hard time twice I mean, they're going to, that division is going to be tough with the way that this team um, is structured. So I uh, just wanted to give everybody uh, a little weekend content here for you. Thanks to Jack for, for sitting in with me here. Uh, he actually sat the whole time. I'm standing right now doing the show because there's so much energy that I have discussing <laughs> these draft classes and these picks. Um, but wanted to give you guys some weekend content. There's going to be a ton of stuff um, all next week long um, and all weekend long on the draftnetwork.com. Jack's actually going to be working on a story right now kind of talking about exactly what we talked about here in this show, just in written form, a little bit more thoughts there. And you're going to see content on the social channels you're going to see content on tdn daily next week so there's stuff all over the place now that the draft is over recapping what teams have been able to do uh, and how much we love or don't love what teams did so rate review subscribe to the podcast appreciate everybody making this show a part of their day even with a little bit of a special weekend episode hope everybody has a great great rest of their weekend i will be back on monday on the youtube channel 11 a.m eastern standard time for a live show and in the podcast feed as well so everybody have a great weekend i'll talk to everybody on monday